And welcome to episode two of the Rail File Podcast. My name is Lou. I'm here with Nick, and we've got a real-life interview this episode. Nick, yeah. tell us about it. It's getting pretty cool here, Lou. We've got a real show. Yeah, we're interviewing a friend of the show, Matthew Tremblay, today. He was indispensable when we were planning our trip to Quebec, and we've got him here. We spoke with him for a long time about the uh, rail fanning scene on the North Shore of Quebec from the iron ore uh, roads all the way down to the car ferry on the south end. So join us now while we have a wonderful discussion with Matthew Tremblay. All right, and we are here with Rail File, Episode 2. Lou and Nick, as usual, with our first ever guest. All the way from the Great White North, we've got Matthew Tremblay with us. Matthew, how are you today? How's it going, eh? Hey. <laughs> can't can't oh. argue with that. <laughs> that was perfect. Identity confirmed. Very good. Nice, yeah. to, nice to speak with you, Matthew. Word up. So Matthew, you're a you're a trained photographer, and uh, you live in Montreal, Quebec, and um, so you've it, it, we've got a little bio that you wrote us, so we can we can act authoritative about you. So it turns out you've only been taking pictures of trains since 2010. Well, that's yeah, eight years ago already, right? But uh, yeah, I guess fairly recently by rail fan standards. So what what got you into trains? Well, I've been into trains since I was, you know, three years old or, or so, like most of us. And uh, I've been modeling and generally into trains since then. But, uh, yeah, right, right around 2010, you know, SLRs, DSLRs started being more affordable and all that stuff, you know. So I just, I think I my parents bought me one for, for my birthday and uh, it kind of escalated from there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, what, that's, uh, that's how it goes. Yeah. What scale do you do the uh, model railroading with? Uh, half, half, half zero, HO, yeah. Oh, interesting. Do you do any modeling stuff, Lou? Uh, I don't, no. Jeez. Uh, I, there's, I mean, don't. I'm a tourist yeah. railroad guy. I just, I just ride, I ride them, you know. Oh, okay, so you that's, have real toy trains. I do. Mm. It's one-to-one scale modeling right outside my apartment window. It's mm. fantastic. Man, I thought the Lego stuff I had was pretty cool, but the real stuff sounds much more exciting. Cool. Well, anyway, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Matthew, we invited you on because uh, we were excited to speak with you about the the Quebec rail fan scene, especially up on the north coast there, as Lou and I had recently traveled up there. And uh, you were a tremendous help in doing our, our research and planning uh, going into that trip. So yeah, I figured absolutely. it'd be a, na- a natural fit to uh, speak with you about that, mostly just because Lou and I are still excited about it, too. So, And it's uh, <laughs> fun to talk about. So, And it's a part yeah. of the world that not a lot of American rail fans are probably too familiar with. because Well, even for us, it's, you know, it's, it's a 12-hour drive from Montreal, right? So, yeah. That's true, and I mean, what's and it's all on the same road. It's all on it's what provincial route one thirty eight. Yeah, one thirty eight. Yeah, 
Huh. Well, most of the way, yeah, for sure. Yeah, to Quebec City, you have the highway, Highway 40. But uh, oh, right. Oh, right. come on, Lou. Get with the program. Yeah, sorry, guys. To be fair, well, you can take one. You can take 138 from Montreal, but you know why do that to yourself? Exactly. <laughs> Lou and I both started the trip from Quebec City uh, on our recent trip, right. where we flew into. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, you as. Uh, I've kind of figured the first uh, place we would speak about going north there is where the car ferry operation is. Uh, so poor. S O P O R, which I don't remember what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But the, the city is called Bicamo. It's just, you know. Exactly. It's, it's mostly a aluminum mill with a city next to it. <laughs> yeah. Were they doing some, I, I seem to remember it smelled a lot like wood chips and sawdust when we were there, too. I think they might have some. Um, yeah, there's a paper paper plant there yeah. as well, yeah. You, you've probably seen the uh, the aluminum mill. It's uh, it's probably even bigger than the city itself. That's true. It was it was huge. I'll tell you, Bay Como was the first place I ever saw people loading center beam flat cars, and and they were they were tossing all the uh, all the aluminum straps over the top of the cars and i was completely horrified because it kept landing on the guys heads <laughs> but I, they, it just seemed like business as usual but these guys are chucking these huge these huge cables over the cars and they kept getting whacked in the face and i'm like i, I mean they seem used to it but it was a that was a pretty cool experience for me to to see you know some some actual you know you see you know center beams get unloaded down here but you know they were actually loading them with wood it was very it was very canadian it was cool yeah we're taught to do it at a very young age <laughs> <laughs> i suppose because what else are you going to do if you can't skate you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah makes sense you, you go either to the timber mill or to the rink i suppose so there you go Right. Yeah, so I don't know how much of a chance you've had to photograph that operation. Lou and I uh, purposefully, we were kind of keeping an eye on the, the ship monitoring. There's a website where you can track the, the boat that goes back and forth with the rail cars on it. And so we kind of learned their schedule just from watching that and decided we'd spend the night there um, and woke up early and went down. And um, we had exchanged emails there. So we had a little bit of an in. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. They invited us in, and it was very nice. We got some really cool pictures. Yeah, they're pretty chill, I'm told. But I haven't taken any photos of that, actually. Oh. Uh, when we weren't there, we rolled around there like around lunchtime, and uh, nothing was moving. Yeah. We saw, we saw a lot of neat stuff that, you know, we want to go back to and photograph. But... Yeah, I think it mostly happens in the morning, right? Right, exactly. Well, and that's the problem. Yeah. So you have to, yeah, you really have to plan it. Otherwise, you're just not going to be there when it's uh, stuff's going to be happening. Otherwise, because why would you? But it seems you know very accessible. It's, even if you you know don't make arrangements with them beforehand, you know it's right by the uh, the, the road there. It's you know, absolutely it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you have some cloudy weather, which is frequently the case there, it does. Yeah, it doesn't make much of a difference with the lighting, and yeah, it's pretty. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, how many ferries, ferry operations are there left in the North America? Yeah, not too many. You know, a, yeah, especially handful, ones right? you can you can literally shoot this from a public road, and that was something that I was really amazed by when we were, you know, all across Quebec, you know. Y- you don't have to do a lot of trespassing. And I, I know that, 
you know, there are plenty of rail fans out there who are like, I would never trespass for a shot. We've all trespassed yeah, for yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the cool thing is that, you know, we didn't even do any, like, light trespassing you know it, it was it was like you can see everything from a road up there because there just aren't that many roads and you know especially with so poor you know you just you drive into the the ferry terminal and then you drive out onto the you know the the big provincial route you get all the shots you want um yeah luckily, it's right there yeah luckily for us um i speak terrible french which is a, only like a, it's like a it's like a half step up from Nick who speaks zero French, and so right. so I found I found a bunch of email addresses for the so poor guys, and this works. So you should do this, rail fans. Um, send them an email and let them know that you know you want to come take some pictures, and you know our these guys all knew we were coming, and they were they were super cool. I mean we you know they they let us drive in, and they, we you know we took a bunch of pictures and. Um, you know, it was they were really welcoming, and uh, so so bone up on your uh, your Duolingo before you leave. Yeah, uh, that's 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 how I that's how I learned all my proper verb tenses again from you know high school French. <laughs> I was speak. Yikes! I was speaking with Justin Franz a while ago, who I'm sure we'll have on the show at some point, and um, yeah. He and his father have both spent a lot of time up there also, and I believe his story was something to the effect of that he took French in high school for the express purpose of being able to rail fan up there. So um, That's the priority. That's fantastic. Yeah, right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Serious dedication. <laughs> so, I mean, I learned English a long time ago, but I wouldn't learn it just to go home in the U.S. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I really, I felt the entire time we were on the north coast of Quebec, I just kept thinking to myself, like nobody else is shooting this, and I, I couldn't understand why. It's there's so much to see up there. There's so much to shoot. There's such variety. There's, you know, it's. I, I know that you know when you go on a rail fan trip, you're supposed to like just look at the trains, but everything there is really pretty. Like it's a, it's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, and the fact that so few people make the trip up there. You know, really, it perplexes me. It's just really far. Yeah, I, it, it is pretty far. Unless, you know, you can fly into Settil, but, you know, who's got that kind of money? Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. We're, yeah, we are lucky that we are even in a position to spend any time up there. But, yes, I think that is the problem. It's just such a long way from anywhere that, uh, yeah, you've got to have a pretty flexible schedule. And, uh yeah. It is a little. It is a little bit of a destination trip, so. And you know, vehicles are always going to be a problem. You don't want to. You know, I own a Toyota Yaris. I wouldn't take my Yaris. Up no, there I wouldn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as opposed to like say California, where you can just rent the cheapest car you can get and you'll be fine. Sure. Or you that. know, it's other fun. destinations. Yeah, of course, it's great. But yeah. It's it's I call it bush rail fanning. You know, it's, it's like it's like bush flying or that's you know. true. It really is. You're you're in the middle of nowhere. It was really funny when we were when we were shooting Cartier. Um, there's there's like the last place you have cell reception, which is right right there at milepost nine. 
Yeah, um, able. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know. You would you would sit there, you know, and we would, you know, I usually texting you to find out if you had a lineup for us. But you'd see all these cars drive south, and they would park in the same spot we were. <laughs> their phone, they'd immediately get their phones out, and it's like, yeah, everybody knows this spot, don't they? Yeah, yeah, the things lighting up like a Christmas tree. It's like you got twenty messages. Exactly. This has been a week since you've been in touch with civilization. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Since Lou terribly botched that transition there, Cartier, of course, is the next railroad as you're driving north. North on 138 there. Oh, that's true. Probably yes. Yeah, we are going in four, order, Four or we? five miles north of Bacamo, where we just were shooting the car ferry. Continue along the coast, and Cartier's... The Nikon F Photomic. We made obsolescence obsolete. Our Nikon F knows no obsolescence. It seems, in fact, to thrive on change, as if its original designers had anticipated every subsequent advance in camera technology and made provision for its embodiment. The new Nikon Photomic TN is an apt example, for it is by far the most important innovation in through-the-lens metering, in its ability to provide consistently accurate exposures, even under difficult conditions, spotlighted or backlit images, brilliant beach and snow scenes, etc., it has brought a new and almost infallible reliability to through-the-lens exposure control. Does this new development then relegate every previous Nikon F to the scrap heap? Not by a long shot. Any Nikon F user can enjoy its advantages. With Photomic TN attached, his camera becomes, at once, the most advanced of the single-lens reflexes. Owning a Nikon F is a lot like having a private pact with photographic progress. Shouldn't you? See the Nikon F with Photomic TN at your dealer. Right, Nikon Incorporated, Garden City, New York. We got to Port Cartier, and there's a, a lovely hotel there, and a few, uh, you know, they've got a Timmy's. And, uh, yeah, which you yeah. need. Yeah, absolutely. So where'd you guys stay at the uh, in uh, Port Cartier, at the big hotel there by the, the Timmy's? I mean... Oh uh, yeah, we stayed at, at Le Cartier. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the name of it. Yeah, I think that's literally yeah. the option, <laughs> unless you just sleep in the car. Um, yeah, I think there's a few other options, but yeah. you know, they're probably not. As yeah, good. vacancy was not a problem there. I think there were maybe no more than five other uh, rooms that were occupied when we were there. It was pretty. It was pretty slow when we showed up in August. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you want to make sure is that you don't show up when there's a mine shutdown <laughs> taking place. Oh my! This happened to us in uh, we went to in northwestern Quebec in Abitibi mm-hmm. uh, last summer, and this totally happened to us. There was a mine shutdown in you know, in uh, Val d'Or, and every hotel within a two hour radius of there was uh, you know that's that's a we can talk about that for another time but yeah be on the lookout for mine shutdowns oh for sure. i suppose well, we we dealt with one of those in um where, wherever the the titanium mine is we uh, drove all the way yeah. out there yeah well we had, that was fun yeah they we got hit by that cartier too because they were shutting down we only the uh, last we were there for three days and on days two and three there was only one train per day in each direction effectively oh, so that's yeah. yeah we kind of got nipped by it twice but still got some great shots 
Yeah, the uh, the titanium guys they were actually on strike. I think they were they were having some sort of a, a labor kerfuffle. They were they were on grave. <laughs> and uh, uh, grave, oh, come grave, on, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, there there you go. Hey, my, <laughs> mal français, a très mal. So I found myself saying that a lot up there, and then they would just smile and nod yeah. and speak English to me. Yeah. Yeah, I was at the the gas station there just trying to buy some coffee, and I said hello, and the woman behind the counter just turned around and ran and shoved the younger uh, woman towards me, and <laughs> like, nope, not dealing with it. <laughs> so yeah, well, you know, that's such a typical Quebec experience for English speakers. So let's talk about Cartier a little bit. Uh, it starts in uh, Port Cartier, which is a, a port there, obviously, as the name infers. And uh, like many other mining operations, you've got the uh, ref- the plant. Some of the processing capabilities are near the water, where they can load the product onto a ship, and it comes downhill from a mine inland somewhere. So built and engineered relatively recently. Uh, I think it was it opened in 1960 or so. Yeah, late late 50s is when they yeah. built it. Uh, I think I remember reading somewhere it was one of the first railroads that kind of uh, benefited from like aerial an aer- a proper aerial survey and engineering and things like that. Um, because you know when you think of most of the other rail infrastructure it was built well before most of uh exactly. Yeah. So it's a uh, yeah, it's a really well-engineered railroad. That I was amazed at, at just, you know, the track laying. I mean, everything is. I mean, it's a very modern right-of-way. It's the be- it's the most beautiful, the best-looking mainline in Canada, probably. Like the 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 one that's to the highest standard. Yeah. Like you can barely hear the trains rolling there, and if they have a flat spot on a car, they just remove it from service immediately. You know, not like most railroads where they don't really care. It it's just you know it's heavy iron, heavy heavy iron. Right, <laughs> exactly, and it, yeah, and it's just spectacular. And on the south end, which is where we were, um, you know, there's a, a provincial park there, I believe, with a, a gravel road that's of varying levels of passability as you drive in and i believe you can get in about 40 miles or so um give or take um on the south end where you're reasonably close to the track pretty much the whole time yeah you can go up further north if you want uh once you get past dog siding which is at like milepost 55 i think or right Uh around there It, it you know that's if you're feeling more adventurous you can you know go further north than that but uh yeah i'd say 40 miles from where the grip the gravel road starts is probably good for the first the first you know if you're if it's your first time there for advanced for advanced rail fanning only beyond milepost 40 (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it was a little bit dicey the further north we got but man there's some really spectacular scenery up there really nice deep rock cuts and a river and mountains and yeah really beautiful up there yeah especially around the uh the tunnel at mile uh, 30 isn't that the greatest <laughs> oh that t- that tunnel is amazing yeah yeah that little spot there and i believe we've got pictures of from that vantage point on um on the website uh yeah one of the most spectacular places i've ever stood and it just happens that there's a train that goes through right there also you know really beautiful spot <laughs> Yeah, so Lou and I spent a lot of time just uh, standing uh, 
either above or adjacent to the tunnel portal there um, at milepost 30. The fabulous spot. Yeah, you can probably spend a whole week right around that area and not do the same shot twice. There's a zillion angles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was it was amazing. And yeah, you know, you you walk 10 feet down the hill and the the angle completely changes. You know, there's oh, it's yeah. so versatile. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there were a couple of spots. I mean, there's another spot just, uh, you know, a short walk away from where we were uh, a little bit further up the mountain from where we were hanging out there, Lou. And uh, yeah, another spectacular shot where, you know, you've got a train snaking along a nice S-curve in the mountains. And yeah, you can't go wrong. Cartier is what a fantastic place. I can't wait to go back. Yeah, I mean, you know, it used to get a lot of press when the uh, they had Alcos there, right? Of course. And uh, but you know it's, it's the scenery hasn't changed. Right. It seems like people don't want to go there as much anymore. You don't see as many modern photos from there. From yeah, you know, like well, Americans. And what's we hilarious- had that conversation in our first episode. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. Oh, people complain about Cartier all the time because they're like, no, I wouldn't want to go there because there aren't Alcos, and it's like, well, it's still pretty cool. Yeah. What's amusing, of course, now is that the the older uh, we're kind of going off into the weeds here now, but the older GEs that they have that replace the Alcos, of course, are also getting phased out now, and uh, they look they look yeah, way cool cooler now. than what they're getting replaced <laughs> with, you know. So you're going from something that apparently yeah. was completely unshootable from a foamer perspective um, to something that's much, much worse. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it's all exactly. Much worse. It's not going to ever, you know, it's not ever going to get better in this hobby. So <laughs> get out there and shoot it while you can. Yeah. Railroad photos are like fine wines. You know, they need to age before they can be truly yeah. awesome. <laughs> Well, how many times did you watch an SD40-2 go by and you say, oh my gosh, all I see are SD40-2s. And then you you know, you know, talk to like a teenage rail fan and they're like, oh my God, guys, I got a hot tip. There is an SD40-2 leading this train. Let's drive four hours to shoot it. And you're like, are, <laughs> are you serious? And, you know, it's it's amazing how, how your perspective on, on motive power or just on on the the photographability of things how it just changes completely you know kind of the the older and calmer you get about rail yeah. fanning the the older and calmer yeah for sure <laughs> yeah i take a very relaxed approach to foaming now that i'm getting yeah. in my advanced age here and so as you continue north past port cartier and you get to the next city that is uh Setil. the land of seven, seven islands, islands. Mm, very- yeah that's what exactly. it means, of course. And uh, that, of course, is kind of the me- the metropolis of the region. It is a city so large, it supports no fewer than four Tim Hortons. It's very impressive. Yes, sir. Four? Yeah. Really? I, wow. Yeah, I think we yeah, sampled we got the all Yelp four reviews, of them. One of them uh, was the open past notes, 8 you know? o'clock. <laughs> so, that was pretty exciting. Uh, they've got, and that, uh, Sedil is the home of the QNSL, and it's also the, the home base of yeah. the... First Nations uh, passenger railroad operation. You're not even going to try say to North pronounce Wind, that, are you? Which is the translation in English. I that is hey, a cop out. I, I would just sound like I'm. Hey, even I, I, I sound like I was sneezing. Otherwise, there's a lot of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty very funky name, but it's a very cool operation there. Yeah, I think it's Chichwin, oh, something well, like that. I would. That would. Yeah, that's I wouldn't not, have gone not there what I it. was going to say. So, but fair enough, and. uh 
Yeah, it's a very cool. It's so it's operated by the first na- uh, three First Nations uh, tribes there, and I forget how long it is. It's uh, you know, but two hundred miles or so, we'll say, and that you go inland there, and it's practically their only connection to the outside world there, and um, yeah, it's it's very cool. They have a very it's a passenger train. I believe it runs twice a week. Their schedule's on their website. And um, yeah, that was definitely something we needed to shoot while we were up there. Yeah, at least in the morning, though. Which you know, if it's sunny, you're kind of that's true. Screwed. But. I believe I shot video of that for that exactly. very reason. I was like, yeah, v- video will come out better for this. Yeah, smart man. But mine wasn't completely. Yeah. I mean, the problem. So the problem with Sadiel, uh, of course, is that there's virtually nowhere that you can actually access the tracks because it's this large industrial port harbor complex. And there is a highway overpass that has a nice sidewalk, but that's pretty much the only place in town where you can actually get right up next to the uh, to the right of way to actually do photography, which was a little bit frustrating. But uh, you'll take what you can get up there, I guess. Yeah, Setil's a bit of a, of a bummer for that. It's, you know, you can drive to that uh, that bridge yep. at mile twelve, and uh, that's a, that's a fun drive. Yeah, it was it was cool, but yeah, not not too much as far as photo options and all that go. So. They are a they are a company that believes very strongly in uh, eight foot f- chain link fences too. Yeah. So, getting a little bit of elevation to shoot. <laughs> right. over a yeah, chain Rio Tinto's not screwing around up there. They've got a, a serious operation. No. Yeah, you don't want to just go running around on their compound. You'll oh, get yeah, absolutely. pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it's even. I mean, it's it's physically impossible for a lot of it now. I mean, there's pretty at least. <laughs> For a guy of my considerable stature, it's certainly out of the question. Lou might have been able to pull vault over, but yeah, it's pretty serious fence issues there now. So, but yeah, anyway, the the uh, Northwind passenger train that was there was pretty cool. It has a you know SD forty dash two with the big Dreamcatcher um, logo on the side, very cool, and I think some old um, Jeep forty variants of some kind. Very neat operation. Well, they have that one F. They have an F forty too, but we uh we didn't have the pleasure of shooting the F forty. It was back in the yard when we were there. Yeah, I think they have a pair of those, and uh, they have some uh, former CN GP forties with the uh, four window yeah, white. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Ooh. And I think, yeah, I think they, yeah, maybe an SD forty. I'm not you know super up to speed on their roster, but uh, neat stuff. No yeah, Lou, why. you were noticing some interesting stuff about their passenger roster when we were up there, if I recall correctly. Well, they they didn't really repaint a lot of those cars, and um, uh, they've got a, a few old Southern coaches, and they they very clearly still say Southern on the letterboard, which is cool. So you've got you've got these these paintings of all of these these very tribal moose. On, on the car ends and right up above that it says CNOTP on the letterboard and you're like this, this is pretty cool <laughs> so um, I you know I'm, I'm a little bit of a passenger car nerd so the fact that they're running you know Southern and Penzi equipment with former Amtrak you know MHCs it was it was pretty neat. It was, I I definitely I need to ride. Yeah, it next and you're time starting I'm up there. in an area that's in the middle of nowhere, and the destination is a place that's even like is literally the middle of nowhere, and it's uh, fantastic. Oh it's my! So cool. There's yeah, there's barely a road that goes up to uh, yeah. Shefferville. Sheffer, yes, Shefferville's the very far northern end where that passenger train goes, and uh, 
Yeah, it used to be a mine up there, of course, but uh, now it's closed, so it's mostly just, you know, a few natives and, uh, you know, outfitters, maybe. If you're a hunter, maybe you'd want to go up there. But yeah, I was that, looking just for kicks and giggles to see if I could fly up there, and I was looking on Google Flights to get to uh, Shefferville and... Oh, you can for sure. But that's but, the you know. thing. It's really hard. <laughs> I, I I couldn't find a flight. Google couldn't handle the fact that I was starting in Minneapolis, so I started in Montreal instead. And the oh, suggested, my. It gave yeah, me a suggested can, yeah. flight on Air Inuit, and it was going to take five stops over two days, and it could not give me a price. And so that looks like, you know, that's pretty Oh, my. Call for price. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's uh, the train's the way to do it. And when we were there, you could very clearly see people were doing their grocery shopping in Sediel and, um, yeah, loading up. I forget how many baggage cars were on the front, uh, five or six material handling cars up front. And, uh, yeah, just loaded with canoes and groceries. And if you've got the guts, we've got the camera. If you are a timid soul, the revolutionary new Bolex 155 Macro Zoom will scare the pants off you. It's designed to let you get as close as one inch from whatever you're shooting, so people who prefer to stay 15 feet back might never appreciate it. However, once you've conquered your fear of extreme close-ups, the Bolex 155 Macro Zoom is not scary to operate. If you can drop in a film cartridge, point, focus, and shoot, you're brave enough to handle it. The Bolex 8.5-30mm f1.9 macro zoom lens does most of the work for you, and no other camera in the world can do the job as well. Not the, ca- not the camera you have, or the one you were thinking of buying, or any of the impressive $400 and $500 models. They're for people who don't want to get any closer than three or four feet away from whatever they're shooting. And you can bet their films will show it, too. Just the same old home movies everyone else has. You absolutely can't make an an ordinary movie with a Bolex 155 macro zoom. Even pictures of kids will be different, because you can fill the whole screen with their smiles, tears, and laughter. And with multi-tricks, an incredible tilting device that comes with a camera free of charge, you can film your own titles, shoot slides, do super impositions, and dissolve your mother-in-law into a ladybug. Now, whether you think you've got what it takes to own a Bolex 155 macro zoom or not, don't make a decision until you're about one inch away from it at any Bolex dealer. Close up, it's the best Super 8 camera you can buy. Only $300. Uh, yeah, and so then as you drive inland from uh, from Sediel, there's kind of a logging road slash ATV trail. You know, a road is yeah, it's all calling, sand. It's a very it a road sandy is road. Very generous to the road uh, or trail, and um, we attempted going up, and uh, it had been raining quite a bit the year that we were there, and uh, we just kind of had to turn. Yeah, that was the day of the uh, the full the full solar That's eclipse true. too, which we got we got to experience totality in the middle of a thunderstorm. Yeah, I kid well you we not. Oh, so everybody else, yeah, 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 we kind of went out of our way to get as far away from the path of totality as we could. That was a little bit silly, but what can you do? It, it did get dark. It was already but it was also raining. Yeah, I, so. yeah, it was. 
yeah, a squandered celestial ac- uh, opportunity to be sure. My little brother was in the middle of Oregon for that with my mom, and he has like all these cool pictures in a field of you know full totality. <laughs> and I sent him a picture, and I'm like, "There's a thunderstorm. I'm in Canada." He's like, well, "Yeah, that was no kidding." <laughs> to be fair to that Mitsubishi truck we were driving, the windshield wipers were working just fine uh, during that storm, and it was really That's coming true. out. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. Transport Canada, they don't have to worry about us. So anyway, we made a couple of attempts trying to get up to that really spectacular bridge on the um, QNSL there. Yeah, and we we made it on our second attempt. We made it all the way to to the proper place where you park the car, but we chose the wrong fork in the trail, of course. And so we kind of ended up, we ended up going to the wrong tunnel portal and, uh, yeah, and then the heavens opened up again, and we decided that it wasn't a good idea to be on top of a mountain during a thunderstorm, and we didn't want the road to wash away any further. And had to. Oh, and we had to drive through a yeah. creek to get there. I think that was <laughs> oh, the, yeah. our biggest concern was we had to drive through a creek in a rental car <laughs> twice. Yeah, I remember when we were there in 2015, when we drove up, we went through a, a, a section of the road that was, you know, there was probably water up to the tires, right? But the the Ford truck handled it beautifully. But when we came back, there was a uh, we all, the our road the road back was almost blocked by another guy who had gotten stuck with you know water up half halfway up his door, and the the interior was probably all flooded. <laughs> you did. And, and the guy was gone. The guy was gone. We don't know. You know, we spent the morning at the, the at the, uh, the the tunnel and the bridge. And when we came back, we just stumbled upon this abandoned truck. Matthew, it's probably still there to you this You didn't day. tell me any of this when we were planning the trip to get there. That's that sounds horrifying. <laughs> Information that would have been useful at the time. Watch out for the corpses. Yeah, this road. This. Yeah, this road is not for the faint of art. Oh, man, for sure. It's really painful, too, because that shot, we've got a link in the show notes that you got there, Matthew, you overlooking that bridge at the end of this road is one of the most spectacular settings I've ever seen a train. Oh, it's great. And uh, we spent all morning doing some... uh gardening, if I may say so. <laughs> hey, we bought a handsaw in yes. Port oh, sh- I understand. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, not that we ever used it anywhere, but, you know, yeah, we had that's, it just in that's, case. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. I, you know, you don't want to get arrested for uh Oh, no, they take the, t- the timbering up there is very tree. serious business. <laughs> so, in any event. Yeah. And the bummer is, you know, that, that shiesty road that you have to take that's half flooded half the time. That's just so you don't have to take the perfectly well-maintained Hydro-Quebec road that follows the right-of-way all the way from Setil to Setil Junction. You know, you have to take the... You have to take the ATV trail. To yeah, the, I could see know, all of those Rio Tinto uh, <laughs> high rail trucks driving back and forth too, uh, on that very well maintained road. But yes, there are very tall yeah, fences on us. both sides. So yeah, we would not have blended. Yeah, in no. Our if you had the white full size truck <laughs> and you had the little triangle stickers on the side and one of the big orange flags, uh, it would still be a really bad idea. <laughs> That's all you're going to be able to shoot of that railroad from the south end. Uh, and, e- and even that's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's great. You know, you should go there. You should, you know, spend maybe one day. Go to the, you know, bring a bring food to spend the whole day at the uh, the tunnel. But, you know, 
then move on. Oh yeah, that's another thing with that that region. Don't go, don't go in northern Quebec in like May or June. Yeah, the bugs, hate bug yourself. spray uh, <laughs> is recommended. That was very bad. Oh, it's well. If you're gonna go there in the summer, you know you need yeah. like a net for your like your whole the whole you know the net that covers your whole head because it's it's that crazy. Yeah, it, it really. We when we got there, and I, I mentioned this before, we got there and we're like, oh, there are a lot of gnats here, and then it's like, oh heck, they're they're biting us. This <laughs> this is terrible. And yeah. we we quickly wised up to that, and um, yeah. So, so what time of the year were you guys? There? We were there in, in August. The fall, right? Yeah, we were there in in which I guess yeah, is kind of early fall August. for that neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. There's it a was lot really of bad. Bugs still in August. Yeah, I just thought they were. September yeah, I just thought they okay. were gnats, but they were definitely not just gnats because you know when they were biting me, I wasn't feeling it. Uh, but I, yeah, I noticed it afterwards. It was yeah, but then you come out and you look like a you look like a <laughs> like a heroin addict. You're like all covered in these terrible sores. And oh yeah, yeah no, it was we were it was very obvious we were out of towners who had not encountered such things before. I'm sorry, oh, I'm these things trouble are brutal. Looking like a heroin addict. <laughs> Lou, we gotta edit that out. That's gonna be uh, beyond the, the PG rating, I think. Oh, exactly. They're advocating hard drug use. Rail file, rail fanning, and, and dope. <laughs> Getting stoned on the Cartier with Matthew Tremblay. <laughs> so now we're we're talking about QNSL right now, but now there there's a like a new railroad up there, or or like a new short line. Well, it's not new. It's newly reactivated. Oh, okay. Uh, the line was built in the early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. You're Mid correct. Mid-2000s. Yep. The, uh, the Bloom Lake Railway, I think it was what it's called, and uh, that operated for a while. Uh, and they used to uh, unload their, uh, their ore at uh, the uh, Pointe Noire facility, which is, you know, west yeah, West a little bit. It's kind of it's kind of between uh, Set Hill oh, and uh, Port Cartier. Right. So that was uh, that was uh, out of operation for a few years, and uh, they just started back. That's uh, actually a few really weeks exciting ago, actually. because I had forgotten about that. That'll give you if you're in Set Hill. That'll give you an opportunity to actually have something that you could chase um, and photograph without um, you know needing a, a canoe, a helicopter, or some sort of monster truck. chatting with Matthew Tremblay Hi. from Montreal, Quebec. Thanks for joining us here on RailFile. Sure, my pleasure. Anytime. To see show notes for this episode, learn a little more about Matthew, and to listen to other episodes, check out RailFile.com or check us out on social media. We aren't hard to find. Until next time, I'm Lou. He's Nick. Have a great day. <laughs>